Welcome everybody to our online campus. We're continuing our summer series uh, that we're calling Summer Mixtape. And today specifically I want to talk about freedom fighters. You, you may be kind of connecting the dots. It's really been on my heart. Uh, about freedom, the freedom that we have through Christ Jesus. July 4th, we talked about let freedom ring. Last week, uh, when I preached, we, we talked about free from me or free of me. And, and today I want to talk about freedom fighter. Uh, but before I do that, uh, just again, want to welcome everybody joining our online campus, wherever you are. Thank you for trekking along with us, journeying along with us this summer. And uh, want to invite you back next week uh, as my wife, Susie, is going to actually be sharing uh, the message. And, and it's really going to be fantastic. She's going to be talking about seasons in life. And, and I think it's going to be a real timely message for all of us. So I want to invite you back uh, for that. But uh, what I want to do today is kind of unpack a really important passage uh, about freedom and, and about our freedom in Christ and really the essence of what salvation is. And uh, Paul knew what freedom was all about. And in fact, it's a very interesting story that he tells in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 21. So that's really what I want to do. I want to unpack that uh, and, and then ask ourselves a few questions. Are we really understanding and walking out our freedom in Christ, understanding what our salvation really is? Because there's so many people that are motivated, Christians that are even motivated by guilt and condemnation, still trying to earn God's approval through their good works. There's only one problem with that, the Bible. Uh, and, and God has made it very, very clear in his word uh, that, that that's not supposed to be what motivates us as those who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's kind of funny, this, this whole idea of guilt, condemnation, uh, kind of is a backdrop of how Susie and I really kind of met in college. And uh, before we fell in love, we did not get along at all. We, we really did not mix. We were like oil and water, largely over this issue. This was one of the main, it wasn't the only one, but this was one of the main reasons. Uh, because Susie, her background, how she grew up, a lot of guilt, a lot of condemnation, even though she's Christian, uh, and, and, uh, and my family really emphasized, you know, walking in the freedom that Jesus Christ has given to us that we're going to look at today. And, and so I remember one Friday night, we weren't dating at the time, uh, this was before that happened, and uh, I was playing ping pong with one of my best buddies in the little student, you know, lounge there, and she came walking in with about 10 other people and uh, put her hand on her hip, and she said, Brother Greg, she used to always call me Brother Greg, I didn't want to be her brother, I wanted to be, anyway, uh, but, but I, she, she's like, Brother Greg, she's like, we're going out witnessing at the mall tonight, and I think you need to come along, and I said, I just stopped, I was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that, uh, I said, I feel like God's will for me right now is to hang out with my buddy and to play ping pong here. And she, again, hand on the hip, she's like, don't you know that people are dying and going to hell? And I was like, yeah, but I don't feel like that's what God's telling me to do tonight. So I have to obey him. And she was like, oh, and she turned and she walked away. And uh, I, I mean, she was, she was really motivated by this at college, we each, every student had to have one student ministry. At the time, Susie was involved in seven student ministries. Uh, the requirement was one. And it was just because so much was this drive inside that she'd been taught to earn God's approval. 
And, and, and I'm not putting words in her mouth. She's speaking next week. She'll correct me if I'm wrong, but she, she's often told me that was one of the things that she admired the most about me was my walk with Jesus and the freedom in my life in that walk with Jesus, to walk by the Spirit instead of guilt and condemnation. So this is, this is kind of one of the things, is, like I said, the backdrop of our, of our relationship. And, uh, and I want to give a little background, because where we're going to drop in here on this story is pretty interesting. In Galatians, uh, because the Apostle Paul, he was a freedom fighter, and he stood for the freedom of the gospel, to the point that he actually confronted the Apostle Peter to his face. I mean, this is Peter who walked on water. This is Peter who denied Jesus, you know, three times. This is Peter who said, Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. And then after the resurrection, Peter stands up, preaches. 3,000 people added to the number that day. He's like the head honcho of the Christian church. And Paul rebukes him for his hypocrisy in his life, in public. And that's what we're going to look at today. This is just a crazy, crazy story. Let me kind of give you the, the, the big idea before we jump in. And here it is. It's easy to believe the gospel, but live like we don't. It's real easy to believe in the gospel, but to not really that our lives don't reflect that. That, that it doesn't motivate us the way it should. And, and let other things like guilt and condemnation and fear of judgment and punishment motivate us. And that's not supposed to be part of the Christian life. And it was part of Peter's life. And so, again, this is the big thought. It's easy to believe the gospel, but live like we don't. So let me read this story. We're going to unpack it together, and then we'll apply it by asking ourselves some questions. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. It, Paul is writing here to the church, churches of Galatia. It's a province. It's not a local town. It's, it's like a, to, the, to the churches of southern duchess. It would be that kind of idea. Uh, and so it says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his faith. This is Paul just, just I, I mean, literally calling out the apostle Peter. After the resurrection of Jesus, after Jesus has ascended, after the Christian church has begun, and Peter is the leader of the entire Christian church. And Paul's like, you're a phony. It's powerful. I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. It wasn't just kind of wrong. It was extremely wrong what Peter was doing. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers. That's anyone who's not Jewish. He, he didn't follow any of the Jewish customs who were not circumcised. That's what that means. But afterwards, when some friends of James, James, the half-brother of Jesus, Jewish person, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. In other words, he went all Jewish when the Jewish people showed up, followed their customs and their regulations. But when they weren't in town, he, he acted like the rest of the Gentile Christians. And it goes on and it says, he was afraid of criticism from those people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. In other words, the necessity of following the Old Testament law. He, he, was, he was afraid of what people would think of him. And, and, and rather than, than recognizing their wrong in their ideas, they don't have God's mind, he was a people pleaser. And he allowed their personal opinions to cause him to be a hypocrite. 
As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. People were watching him just like people are watching you and I as well. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So, so he is literally leading other people into sin, Peter is. This is Peter. And it goes on and it says, When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel, in other words, this is false, that this was error, this was sin, this was wrong. When I, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of the others, and this is Paul, man, he didn't even like, come over here, there's something I need to tell you to the side. He, he's like publicly, because this was happening publicly, so he rebuked them publicly. Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, and he was, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish tradition? In other words, he was kind of like saying, you know what, uh, one minute he's living like he's not under the Old Testament law, which is the way that the Christian church was founded in Acts chapter 15. They decided that. And, and then he goes, well, but really you should. You're closer to Jesus if you do cover, if you do follow the Old Testament law. And, uh, and Paul just rebuked him to his face. In front of all these people, he called them out for his hypocrisy. Now, now for you and me, uh, there's not this Jewish thing. You know, we're not trying to be Jewish or follow the Jewish law. But for us, it's real simple that, that we slide into, many Christians slide into, just like Peter did, trying to earn God's approval, trying to earn God's acceptance. And, and, and nothing, that is not the truth of the gospel. We can't earn it. So, so let me give you some key facts here real quick. Three key facts in this passage as Paul begins to explain it. Uh, and the whole book of Galatians is really explaining this issue, the entire book of Galatians. And, and I want to convince you of some of these key facts that Paul uses so you don't just believe the gospel. It's so important that you and I actually live it because hypocrisy was happening in the early church and isn't that the number one accusation even still today 2,000 years later Christians are hypocrites and it's largely because of this we say we believe the gospel but we don't actually live the gospel we don't actually live it so here's the first thing we need to recognize nobody is accepted by God based on their performance no one it's impossible for God to accept you based on your performance what you do what you don't do no one is. And Paul, next verse, explains this. Galatians 2, 15 through 16. He's continuing to rebuke and correct Peter. And he says, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. He's like, you would think we followed the law. You would think that we were accepted by God. Yet, we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. A person is accepted by God. Because they put faith in Christ, not because they're a good person, not because they do a lot of great deeds, not because they do good works. It's by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the Old Testament law, not by being a good person, not by, you know, keeping the Ten Commandments. He's like, that's not the way it happens. And he goes on and says, And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God. How is a person made right with God? By believing in Jesus, period. By believing in Jesus, that's how we're made right with God. That's how we're approved by God. That's how we're accepted, by believing in Jesus, nothing else. 
added to that. Because of faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, not because of stuff we do, just simply believing in Jesus Christ. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. No one will ever be made right with God by keeping and doing good works. If you lived a million years, you, you and I could not do enough good works to ever be approved by God to ever be accepted by God. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life and to lay that life down as a sacrifice for you and me, a substitute. He paid the price in full for your sins and mine. That's why he said it's finished on the cross. Not, it's mostly finished, but you gotta work on the rest of it yourself. He didn't say that. He said it's finished. And then he rose three days later because it was finished. And so the first thing, realize, recognize nobody is accepted by God based on their performance. This is key. This is so important. And, and then the next thing is this. Realize that when we try earning God's approval, we're actually sinning. When, when, when inside we think, oh, I messed up yesterday. I got to do something good today to get back on the good side of the scorecard of God. That is actually sin. That mindset that, that drives that activity so we're doing good stuff so God accepts us, that is actually sin. It's not a mistake. And, and that's why Paul rebuked Peter over this. He's like, you're sinning. You're hypocrisy. Thinking that you're earning God's approval by keeping the Old Testament law, that is sin. And this is a big one. So easy for Christians to fall into this because in so many churches, and we, we don't do that here, and I don't have a stomach for it. It's a distasteful to me. We're not gonna guilt people into doing things. We're, 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 not, we're not heaping condemnation. We speak God's word. God's word sometimes convicts us, but conviction always, there's hope. It's not, you're a bad person, shame on you. you, you know, it's too easy to do that, and, and, and it's not allowing the gospel to be the power that makes changes in people's lives. And so realize that when we try earning God's approval, we're actually sinning. Paul continues to explain that. Next verse, Galatians 2, verse 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we're found guilty because we've abandoned the law. He's like, so you begin, you're, 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 you're made right with God because of your faith in Christ, and, and we still don't keep the law perfectly. No one does. That all of a sudden we lose our salvation? Because we're not doing, we're not doing the stuff perfectly anymore. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? That, that, that we were forgiven, but then he, we're on our own, and we, if we mess up, if we don't keep all the things that God says, all the do's, and, and stay away from the don'ts, that we lose our salvation? He says that, that would be like Christ has led us into sin. Absolutely not, no way. That's not what salvation is. And it goes on and he says, Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of the law I already tore down. If I'm forgiven of my sin and then I think the way I'm, I'm saved because of Jesus Christ, I'm going to stay saved by now being a good person. He's like, no, 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 I, I'm really a sinner. I never got it. I never understood it. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. All the Old Testament does. No one can keep it. And, and all it does is point to the fact that we need a Savior. We can't do this without. There's none of us that can earn it. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements. That's what you and I are supposed to do as Christians. 
so that I might live for God, that we walk by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says he writes the law, God's law on our hearts. And so it's the Holy Spirit. We walk by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit-filled life. So realize that when we're trying to earn God's approval, we're actually sinning. It, it, it actually is thumbing our nose at, at, at the sacrifice of Jesus, saying it wasn't enough. Jesus, your life, your death, your resurrection wasn't enough for me. I can do it now on my own. Third uh, point I think is so important is this. Remember the sequence is the sequence. The sequence is the sequence. That, that we, we looked at this before. We believe in, in verses 15 through 16. We believe we're made right and then we obey because we're accepted, because we're forgiven. Belief, acceptance, obedience is the se- sequence of salvation. It never changes. And Paul talks to this whole idea of that, that we place our faith in Christ and we die to sin and we become alive in Christ. In that moment of salvation, that's what it means to be born again. Look at the next verse, verse 20. He continues to talk. He goes, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I've identified with him. I've received him. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Watch. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. That is not about trusting my good works. That I'm going to trust in the Son of God. I put my faith in him, and I continue to do that. He's the one that saves me, not my good works. I, I, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then goes on and he says, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, if doing good stuff could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. He, he died in vain. No reason for him to really die at all. What, what, he, what he's saying here is we don't believe in Christ and then try to do our best to live lives that are, that are pleasing to him. And, and then we're accepted. That would be absolutely foolish. No, we, what we do is we put our faith in Christ, we, we come to the cross, we see what we've done, and, and we see what Jesus Christ has done for us. And at that point, we're not only justified, we're also accepted and we become wrapped up in what Jesus has done, that we die with him and then Christ begins to live in us. And this is so important. And, and when we obey, it's not because we're trying to earn God's approval. When we obey what, what God has instructed us and commanded us, it's because Christ is living with us. He gives us even the desire to obey. It's all him. It's not me. It's not you. We can't take credit for what he's doing. It's all because we're living by faith, and that makes all the difference. We're living by the Spirit. We're trusting in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross in our lives what paul is saying is it's one of our greatest problems we believe the gospel but we don't live like it's true we we believe that we're saved by faith in jesus christ but we live as if it's jesus plus our good works that keeps us saved and that's not true at all it's our efforts to keep us saved by doing good things and that's not true Paul is telling us not just to believe the gospel saved us through grace and faith, but to live that way as well. And it makes all the difference in the world. And this is what Peter totally got 
wrong. And, and it was sin. And that's why Paul rebuked him literally uh, to his face. And, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, we're not going to go any further here in Galatians 2. I want to kind of apply this now. But in Galatians chapter 3, one English translation, Paul is talking to the Christians. He's like, and it says, Dear idiots of Galatia, who has bewitched you? He calls them idiots. In other words, ignorant. Who has bewitched you to think that you could walk this, start this walk by faith, and then you have to continue it by works? This is like really core to the Christian faith. And there are whole segments of the Christian faith that get this completely wrong. This is what the Reformation was all about 500 years ago. Martin Luther and John Calvin and, and Zwingli as well. Because it's, it's, it's about the just will live by faith, not earning God's forgiveness through works. And so it's really, really important. And look, let me just say, you know, even Peter got this wrong. So, so even Peter needed to be corrected, and, and maybe you and I need to be corrected as well. So what I want to do is give you a list of questions and, and you, you know, kind of like show you the bedrock answer in Scripture. And just ask yourself these questions to just as a checkup, because, hey, listen, you're in good company. I'm in good company. I messed this up. Then, then I'm in good company with, like, Peter, the apostle, who, who Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now Peter's sitting him down and correcting him after the resurrection uh, and after the day of Pentecost. So here's the first question. Have I been saved by the grace of God? Have I been saved? Am I trusting in myself for salvation my morality, my good works, or even my religious observances? If so, then I'm really not a Christian at all if I'm trusting in my own actions. A true Christian is one who's trust in Christ alone. And this is what the Bible says, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you've been saved, how? Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Even the faith to believe is a gift from God. We can't even take credit for that. I put my faith in God. Yeah, but he gave you the faith to put in him. It's a gift of God. Look at this. Not by works, so no one can boast. We cannot boast about even our own salvation. All we can boast about is Jesus Christ. He actually gives us the faith to believe it is not by works. Some, some of us need to memorize Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. We need to just memorize that and repeat that over. It's not by me doing stuff for God that he approves of me. It's through Jesus. So, you know, maybe let's do this. I mean, online campus, not by works. I think we just need to somewhat just shout that at the computer right now. On the count of three. One, two, three. Not by works. It is not by works that we are saved. It is through faith alone. Not by works. Crystal clear in Scripture. Can't get any clearer than that. You can look this up in the original language of the Greek. You can look this up in every translation of the Bible in English. It says what it says. God meant what he said. Men have messed it up because of we want to take pride in our Christian busyness. 
that we want to say, man, I, I'm really, God's really proud of me. He is just as proud of you as the person. If you've been a Christian for 20 years and doing all kinds of wonderful things for him, you, you know, maybe you wrote a Christian bestseller, whatever. He is just as proud of you as he is the sinner who 10 seconds ago said, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and repent of my sins. No difference. None. So am I, have I been saved by the grace of God? Here's the second one. Am I trying to mix law and grace? Am I trying to mix law and grace? Law means that it's something that we have to do, we feel obligated to do in order to please God, while grace means God has finished the work for me, and all I need to do is believe in Christ. Salvation is, is not by faith in Christ plus something else. It is faith in Christ alone. And here it is, Romans eleven six 6 makes it clear. And if by grace, if you've been saved by grace, I've been saved by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. And there's no reason why Jesus came and died. What's so amazing about grace is it's all a package deal at that moment when we receive Christ as our Savior. So ask yourself the question, am I mixing the law and the grace? Am I mixing, yeah, Jesus, what you did was great, but, but I gotta keep doing all this stuff in order for, to be accepted by God, in, in order to receive forgiveness, in order for God's love to be in my, upon me. No, you don't. It's by grace. If it's by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Here's the third question. Am I rejoicing in the fact that I am justified by faith? Am I rejoicing in the fact that I'm justified by faith? This word justified, great way to understand what justified means. It means just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. That we are in that moment when we receive Christ as our Savior and turn from our sin. And we, we, we receive Christ. We are justified. It is in that moment forward in our lives just as if I've never sinned. That's how God sees you. Just that's how God sees it. Even when we do mess up in sin, it's still just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God relates to us from that point on. Just think the righteousness of Christ has been put into your account, his perfection, his sinlessness. God not only declares that we're righteous in Christ, but he deals with us from that moment on as if we have never sinned. Even when we do sin, he still deals with us. He sees Christ's perfection around us, surrounding us, covering us. We never need to fear judgment because our sins have already been judged in the, Christ, in the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what Romans 8.1 says. Now because of this, those who belong to Christ will not suffer the punishment of sin. There is no punishment for our sins left because we're in Christ Jesus. He took it all. It is finished on the cross. There's no purgatory. There's no working off our sins. There's none of that. A Christian who understands the gospel does not, should not ever live in fear of any type of future punishment because Jesus paid the price in full for your personal sin and my personal sin as well. So because of that, we belong to Christ. We will not suffer punishment of sin. We will be judged by God, and that word judged as Christians, what we need to understand is, as I've taught before, it's not judged like he's going to say, okay, you did this, you did that, you did that. When, when, let me just use my own self, because I've put my faith in Jesus Christ as a child, 
When I stand before God, he's going to see me totally perfect and sinless. Now, I've done a lot of sinning since I was five years old. I've, I've, I've done a lot. But all of that is forgiven in the cross of Christ. And so I'm judged. Here's how I'm judged. Sorted. It's like when you bring groceries home and some go in the pantry, some go in the refrigerator, you know, that's sorting the groceries. God's going to judge us. He's going to sort us. He's going to sort those that have received Christ from those who have rejected Christ. And that's the judgment of Christ, the judgment of God. And then he's going to reward those who have received Christ either for what they have done good or they've received no reward because they haven't done anything in fulfilling God's plan and purpose for their life. But, but there is not punishment of sin for those who belong to Christ. And some translations put it this way. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why it's so wicked when, when in some churches they motivate Christians by condemnation. Because it's not even supposed to be part of the Christian life. Guilting people to do stuff. It's, it's not supposed to be part. It's, it's not... It's, it's totally contrary to the Holy Spirit. It's, it's contrary to the heart of God for, for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and so, fourth question is this. Am I walking in the liberty of grace? Am I walking in the liberty of grace? That's what, and we were at Liberty Bible College at the time. That, that's what just got Susie so ticked was because she was being motivated by condemnation back in college to go witness on a Friday night. And I really, I wasn't just saying that either. I knew God was doing something as I was playing ping pong and spending time with my buddy. And, and later on, years later, we ended up being in ministry together. God was doing something. And, 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 and I wasn't motivated because Susie plus 10 other people, you know, were, were saying, like, you should be doing what we're doing. I, I was trying to live by the Holy Spirit, walk by the Holy Spirit. God, where do you want me right now? What do you want me to be doing? And, and the proof was, was, was seen over time. And, and if anything, I've, I, I know that over 30 years of marriage and dating, all that, that, you know, Susie's a very different person. I think I've for God's sake, been able to influence her some in this regard. And, and uh, in fact, I know that. She's completely different. And I, I'm just humbled because it was God. It wasn't Greg, really. So, so am I walking in the liberty of grace? Liberty does not mean license. It doesn't mean do whatever. You know, oh, God will forgive me. You just do whatever. You know, I, I'm going to go ahead and sin. Rather, it means freedom in Christ to enjoy him and become what he's determined you and me to become. Fulfill his plan and purpose of our lives. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 puts it this way. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Notice what comes first. You're in Christ Jesus. Once you're in Christ Jesus, you can't jump out of Christ Jesus. You're in Christ Jesus. What comes after being in Christ Jesus? He's your Savior and your Lord to do good works. The good works flow out of the heart that is full of love and gratitude because we're in Christ Jesus, not to earn getting into Christ Jesus, his approval, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's handiwork. We're in Christ first. We receive him as our Savior. We put our faith in him. We're accepted. We approve. And then we do good stuff out of a heart that's full of gratitude. We obey God because of love, not because of law. 
Christians enjoy a wonderful liberty in Christ. And I guess the big question is, are you enjoying it? I, I know a lot of people that, that, that say they're Christians and, you know, like I said, they look like they've just been baptized in pickle juice. They're miserable. I'm talking about Christians for, for decades. It's no joy, no love, no grace, no mercy. Mean as rattlesnakes. Doesn't really line up with God's word of what a Christian life's supposed to be. See, good works aren't qualifications for God's forgiveness, but demonstrations of God's forgiveness. Good works don't qualify us for God to forgive us. We do good. We're other-centered. As we talked about last week, we're free of me, selfishness. Holy Spirit's working on the inside to change us from being self-centered to being other-centered. That's why we do those things. We do God's will. It's a daily, every day, every 24 hours, you know, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you know, Lord, not my will, your be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Because I'm in Christ, because I am forgiven, because I am accepted, because I am approved, all because of Jesus, nothing because of me. That's what I'm going to demonstrate through my life, the love of Jesus Christ. I'm forgiven. Many people actually believe that the people are saved by faith in Christ plus, Jesus plus good works, plus keeping the Ten Commandments, plus obeying the Sermon on the Mount, plus any number of religious observances and pluses. Totally contrary to the Scripture. And so my last question is this, am I living the truth of the Gospel? Ask yourself, am I living the truth, not believing the truth? Because this is that disconnect. Peter believed the truth, but he wasn't living the truth. And Paul had to correct him and rebuke him to his face. Am I living the truth of the gospel? And, he, and here's kind of the, as Paul was the freedom fighter, and he's fighting for the freedom that we have in Christ, that it's all about Jesus. It is not about me and my actions. It's not about my good works. It's all about Jesus. And you and I, I think, need to be freedom fighters as well. I think that's what God used to kind of get under Susie's skin way back when. It's because I was a freedom fighter. So I was walking in freedom. And it, it thank God, it, it was attractive to her. That she knew I had a, a, a real strong relationship with Christ, but I had a freedom that, that she had not experienced yet in her life. And, and now she has that. She, a long time ago, made that change. So the best way to fight for truth is to live the truth. Let me say it again. The best way to be a freedom fighter is to live the truth. See, Paul could not have said to Peter, you're a hypocrite, if Paul himself was a hypocrite. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. People saw a freedom, a grace, a, a, a love that came from Paul and that was an example worth following. He didn't just believe the truth. He lived it. He lived it. 
And that's how you and I are called to be freedom fighters as well. To live, not to be, you know, Christian judges that, that, that we're, you know, we're, we're judging and evaluating every person, every church, every ministry. That, that's not, we're not called to be Christian critics. We're called to live the truth. Freedom fighters. It was for freedom that Christ died to set you free. Just like we talked about on the 4th of July. Let freedom ring. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that for many watching our online campus right now, Lord, there would be a newfound birth of freedom and understanding it's all about Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing equals forgiveness. Jesus plus nothing equals joy. Jesus plus nothing equals your approval and acceptance of each and every one of us when we receive him. And God, may we not just believe the gospel, but Lord, may our lives reflect the truth of the gospel. May we in the Valley family be known as freedom fighters for the cause of the gospel, living the truth of the gospel, not just believing it, but living it out in our community and before you. Right now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never prayed before to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, simply, I, I, you understand now, I, I hope, by the end of this message. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. You can repeat after me right now, and in that moment of receiving Christ as your Savior, you are forgiven of your sins. From that moment forward, God looks at you and he sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. And you're accepted by God in Christ. You are in Christ. And then the rest of your life, walk by the Holy Spirit to fulfill His plan and purpose for your life. And there's nothing like it in the world. So let me lead you in this prayer right now. You can repeat after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today. Jesus, thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you to lead me, to guide me by your Holy Spirit from this day forward, and I will follow you. Amen.